Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Pop Culture University. Where we talk about what is going on in pop culture and see what we can learn from it. I'm your host, Petty Eminger. You may know me as Petty Pop Culture on TikTok. If it is your first time here, thank you so much for coming. Take a seat wherever in the classroom you would like. You are so welcome. If it is not your first time here, thank you so much for coming back. I love you. I stand you. I am in your fandom. You guys, today is kind of like a joyous day for me. I hit 2 million followers on TikTok. It's so crazy the amount of growth I've seen just this last month. August, September 2022 is definitely going to go down as one of the biggest months of my whole social media career. I think I gained over nearing in at 500,000 in just a month. I remember I was stuck at 1.1 million for nine months. And I wasn't even sure if I would ever gain followers again, to be honest. But I think I just kept trying different things while still making content that I liked. Just structuring the videos different wording things different and putting a twist on whatever was not working as well before just so it would serve the algorithm better serve the for you page better and get people to follow because even just a little difference in your videos can make them go off so much more so just a little piece of advice for anyone wanting to conquer the infamous tiktok for you page if you really just switch up your videos a little little bit it can cause a huge difference, make you grow astronomically, and really change your life overnight. So, or over a month, like mine did. So, I'm very happy about that. Shout out to everyone who is following. If you're not at Petty Pop Culture, you're missing the best pop culture page on all of TikTok. I'm literally the king of pop culture of Gen Z, the king of TikTok pop culture, social media pop culture. That is me. So let's just get into today's podcast and talk about all this pop culture that is going on. It's actually kind of insane, everything that's going on. I feel like yesterday went by so fast because all I was doing all day and all night was looking at what the hell is going on and trying to make sense of so many things. I swear, yesterday went by in a blink because I was just looking at my phone trying to sort all of this shit out. These are the topics, though. We're going to talk about Halle Bailey being the new Little Mermaid and why that's very controversial for some people. I went to the Lil Nas X concert finally, and I'm going to recap that a little. We're going to talk about a young artist who is unfortunately just shot and killed. We're going to talk about the Emmy winners. And we're going to dive into the crazy story of what's going on with Kim and Ray J and give a final little update. I think the last ever update on Kim and Pete. But before we get into all of that, make sure you rate this podcast five star on Spotify, five star Apple Podcasts. Screenshot yourself listening to it, post it on your Instagram story, and tag me when I'll hit you up. I love you guys do that. I appreciate it so much. It helps push out the podcast because we don't have companies doing that for us. And yeah, let's get into today's episode. Class, we're going to Pop Culture University. Take your seats. Okay, so I went to the Little Nas X concert finally, and it was such an insanely fun night. I even got to meet some of my podcast listeners there. Shout out to Chloe and shout out to Mia. It was so nice to meet you guys. Thank you guys for being so sweet. Someone else DM'd me and told me that they saw me there, but they were too shy to come up and talk to me. Girl, do not be too shy to do that. I would have loved to meet you. I literally love meeting everyone. I'm the sweetest, most easiest to talk to. I'd probably be more anxious about the meeting than you, so don't be shy. I'm a little shy introvert, too. I would never bite or anything, but yeah, it was so fun meeting you guys. Um, The concert, though, I got the best, literal best spot in the house right on the rail, so I could ride the rail all night. Not the only thing I rode that night. But seeing Lil Nas X in person, he was 
the concert was way better than I thought it'd be. Anyone else who's going to go to this tour, I feel like your expectations are going to be really high because, of course, he's one of the biggest artists in the world. But my expectations were really high, but he exceeded my super high expectations. He was the absolute best live performer I have ever seen in my life. I'm not even kidding. From the singing to the emotion he was putting on in his performances to how aggressive and like not afraid to just go crazy on the stage he was and the dancing he learned so many dance moves for this fucking tour it was insane i feel like people underestimate lil nas x's pure talent a little bit people i think have this perception of him that he is really successful and at the position he is because he knows how to work the industry in 2022 he's really good at making songs short enough so they appeal to Gen Z's attention span and making a bunch of remixes to the song that is his current single. So it stays number one for a long time and keeps people excited. He's good at interacting on all social media. He's good at playing the media and messing with the press to get more attention. People think he's just kind of like this industry plant, industry baby. He just knows what he's doing to build this whole career for himself not that they don't think he's talented i think everyone thinks he's talented i just think they underestimate just how talented he is i'm here to tell you no average person who's good at working social media could have a career like him that's for sure none of these other influencers who are trying to conquer the music industry because they already conquered social media they're not doing it like him he truly has i believe like unmatched talent he's no one else is doing what he's doing. And my throat hurts from screaming for him all night and doing something else for him all night with my throat, of course. Of all the concerts I've been to, I think I would rate him first, like number one. Maybe tied with Ava Max just because me and Ava Max shared a really special moment at her concert and she loves me. But in terms of performer, I say he beat Ariana Grande that I saw, he beat Dua Lipa. All of these other pop girlies, truly. He's such a force. I think we're going to be seeing a lot of him for a long time. Can we talk about his vision too? All of the aesthetic f- artwork for his eras and the world that he builds for each album and each song is so masterfully crafted and so interesting and unique and unlike anything else. But yet it all makes sense. Like with the whole Old Town Road era, he would have like electronic steel horses but also in the desert and a city robots and cowboy hats and he would really just combine so many worlds and it would just still make sense for him and be so him he just really inspires me with how hard he works and where he used to be i think no other artist in my whole life has inspired me as much as lil nas x because me first of all me and him are the same age he's 22 and we both kind of grew up in the same situation i'm sure a lot of you guys can relate to this just If you're listening to this podcast at all, you know you like pop culture, you're on Twitter, you're on all the social media. It's something that you find comfort in and you like and you turn to. And it's probably like one of your favorite parts of your day, looking what's going on online. And I think that used to be him. He would sing, um, specifically in his song, Sun Goes Down, he would sing about a time a few years ago, you know, not that long ago, that he was so anxious and depressed and riddled with insecurities and he was so unhappy and scared to even be himself in the song he sings send me a gun and i'll see the sun you know he was thinking of ending his own life and he kind of sings about what got him through those times he was like poor and he didn't want to have a normal job and he couldn't be out and proud and be himself so kind of every aspect of his life was really suffering and he sings the lines i'd be by the phone standing nikki morning into dawn only place I felt like I belonged. Strangers make you feel so loved, you know. And that was me. That truly was me kind of around the same time too. I definitely dealt with experiencing depression and anxiety and riddled with insecurities. I was so different just a few years ago than I am today. And it's through becoming myself and not being afraid to put my whole self on the internet that I've grown so much and grown into the person that I am now. And I know it sounds silly, but that's really what got him through that Nicki Minaj fan account that he had and standing Nicki morning into dawn, the only place he felt like he belonged. 
that's what got him through and that's where he would seek solace and relief and then that community that he had online eventually gave him enough confidence to be himself and put his whole bussy into his career and really take off and even after he came out his career only took off more and more he thought he was going to lose his career after coming out and being being himself no it took off tenfold and it's just so inspiring and i think he just proves that when being yourself that's when the magic happens and i think standing celebrities is not this silly vapid thing that a lot of people make it out to be i think a lot of these celebrities mean so much to us and we see ourselves in them and it can really give you an outlet and a place to feel like it's safe to be yourself and and you finally see people just like you who have the same interests you feel heard and seen for the first time and it's something that you're just so passionate about it's like a straight guy when they're passionate about a sports team no one on that sports team knows you and they don't care if they're cheering for you they don't know that you exist and you really don't know those players a lot on that team anyway they're just passionate about it and it gives them a sense of belonging and people to see themselves in it's like that's what celebrities are for us so i don't like when people kind of shame people for being interested in the tea and the gossip and what's going on online they don't see all the layers to it and i think lil nas x coming from a place where he used to be that stan on the phone I think that's why he's so good at crafting his career now and knowing exactly what to give to people because he knows exactly what he can make them feel. Montero focusing on his goals and his dreams and putting his full self into accomplishing them really inspired me to do the same thing. And maybe that's a reason why I hit 2 million followers today. So what can we learn to this? I think, like he says in his song, Don't Want It, that he is living proof that you can achieve anything you want in life. You can have anything right before your eyes if you focus on it. Lean into what makes you passionate. Always be yourself because those three things are the most dangerous weapons in success. Being so in love with something and being so, it just being so from your soul that it's such a passion, you're so obsessed. And then not only having that obsession and that vision, but then putting in the hard enough work to actually make it happen and focusing on it that's what's going to make you successful as living proof in Lil Nas X. Let's get into something else, though. Let's talk about another black queen, Halle Bailey. She is playing the Little Mermaid. Then I am so fucking excited about that. The trailer for the movie was finally released. We know this movie has been going to happen for over three years now, which is absolutely batshit crazy. The suspense is unmatched people in that time could have broken up with their boyfriend gotten another boyfriend got married got divorced had three kids people could have lived whole lives since then but finally the trailer has dropped and it broke the record for the biggest debut for a movie trailer ever with 140 million views in 24 hours Shout out to Hallie, already breaking records with this movie. There was a lot to live up to, but let me tell you, the trailer lived up to it. Hallie looks so beautiful. The way she was singing that damn song, her damn vocals, insane. We're going to get into that, though. But the trailer had some staggering amounts of dislikes on it on YouTube. Millions of dislikes. Shocking, right? But it's all because the poor unfortunate souls the bigots online who are still using the hashtag not my ariel because their their beloved pale redhead ariel is being played by a black woman so let me just read through some of these tweets that came from the absolute depths of some of these nasty karen's souls it said if disney has been selling a white, blue-eyed, red-haired Ariel for 30 years, they do not expect the public to take it well. Hashtag not my Ariel. Little Mermaid has been a huge part of me for over 20 years. Every time I went to Disney, I ran up to the cast member who looked like this. So yeah, I am upset that this is hashtag not my Ariel. She doesn't look like her, period. We're being forced to accept something that has been this way for 30 years. Leave the classics alone. If everyone wants princesses from different ethnicities and colors, make new tales. Hashtag not my Ariel. It just doesn't add up at Disney. Ariel was white in the cartoon, not black. It's just not accurate. Hashtag not my Ariel. 
Those were what people tweeted when the film was originally announced. But even people today, hashtag not my Ariel was trending again. Someone said, enjoy your fake Ariel to Disney. You will never earn a buck from me. It's such a shame that people are so closed minded and acting like this and trying to make a movie about something that it is not and trying to tear down this woman's opportunity. Ariel's story in its essence has nothing to do with race. It's about a girl who feels like she was displaced, wants to be somewhere where she was not born, on the land, out of sea, feeling like she's been misunderstood and out of place her whole life. That does not have to do with having red hair and being pale. It has nothing to do with race. Ariel can look like anything she wants to. It was never a factor in the film. And let's remind everyone, she's playing a fictional mermaid. There's no accurate representation of this because she's playing a fucking mermaid. Hello? And to be honest, Hallie does look like Ariel, just another version of Ariel. She still has a very soft, princessy appearance, big, cute eyes. She still has the whole Disney princess appearance. To be Ariel, you just need to be a good actor, singer, have the heart and the passion to tell her story. And Hallie has it all times 10. Do you guys know that she didn't even have to audition for this role? Or, well, she did have to audition, but she didn't even think to audition. She was asked to please audition for this role by the producers because they were scoping out talent. And they thought Hallie was so beyond talented and was the perfect fit. And she was the first woman to audition for this. And they said they stopped the audition shortly after because no one was going to compare to her. That's probably why the damn Karens are pressed. Why all the white bitches are pressed. I mean, I am white, but like, like, I'm not a Karen white. Come on. That's probably why all the white bitches are pressed because these people of color are making their movies 15 million times better and shitting on them. They're embarrassing them. No shade to Jodie Benson, the original Ariel, but I'm sorry. Hallie ate you up. White people just be mad that people of color be beating them out in every asset of the entertainment industry. Black Panther was literally the only Marvel film nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. I mean, that's probably why at the end of the day, they're upset. They're losing their spot. And what a shame it would have been if they gave this role to someone who looked like Ariel, but they were way less talented and just couldn't serve everything Hallie is serving. Do you need a white bitch with red hair playing this? Do you want Lindsay Lohan playing this damn role? Like MLK said, a man should be judged by the content of his character, not the color of his skin. And she was just the best for the role. So like it or not, see the movie or not, we don't care. Save yourself from having an amazing time, apparently, and that incredible viewing experience that we're all going to have. I love that the song Part of Your World is like the biggest song from the film as well, because I just think it represents so much of this situation. Part of your world is about basically a girl who feels left out and she sees all these other people who are just born different from her having fun in a different place. But for some reason, she isn't allowed to go there, has never gotten her moment to be amongst people who she wants to connect with and feel the same as. And I feel like a lot of little black girls probably feel that same way. So I love the double layer that... Hallie is adding to this film, and I think it's going to make it even more magical. There was a lot of amazing TikToks of black girls seeing the trailer and being so genuinely, almost in a sad way, so genuinely shocked that a Disney princess in a live-action film is going to be played by a black woman. Their faces just lit up in awe because they've never seen anything like it, and it was so cute.
So what can we learn from this? I think we can learn that representation really, really matters. It changes worlds for some people. It gives people a whole different outlook on life, how they feel about themselves, where they feel like they fit in society, their confidence, the way they see themselves, the way they see their community and their ethnicity and who they are a part of. And it can really change the path of a lot of people's lives to see themselves represented like that and give them so much morale. So I wish that the white folks would just see that Ariel's character has so much more to do than just race. And her story is beautiful and can be told by anyone because everyone is equal and the best person should get the role. And that's exactly who got it. My biggest problem with the film is going to be that there's going to be a live action Sebastian and Flounder. That is going to look creepy as hell. They're about to go from cute to ew. Cute to please get off the screen, Mr. Krabs. I don't want to see Sebastian, a live action crab. How are they even going to do that? Do crabbies even have mouths that you can see to sing out of? I don't know what is going to happen with that, but I think they should just keep Sebastian animated because that shit is going to creep me out. Have you ever seen the back of a crab? Like their stomachs? It is nasty. No one wants to see that under the sea shit. I would totally understand why Ariel wants to get the fuck out of there and go up on the land after seeing all these nasty live-action fish that we're about to see. Okay, so let's talk about something that is really sad and actually horrible and tragic that just happened. So I don't know if you know this artist, P&B Rock. What is that reminding of peanut butter and jelly rock? P&B, peanut butter. Oh, no, there's no J. That's PB&J. Okay, never mind. P&B Rock. He is a rapper and a singer. He sings the song Selfish. I feel like that was like a really viral song on TikTok too. Something about, I want you all to myself because I'm selfish, girl. That song, I don't really know that song, to be honest. Not super familiar with him, but I've heard the name. I know he's famous. I know he was really rising in the industry, working his way up. Unfortunately, he was fatally shot during a robbery that just happened today. News just confirmed that this is really real two hours ago. This was like the last thing I added to this episode. He was fatally shot during a robbery that was committed just against him at roscoe's house of chicken and waffles in south los angeles um so basically what happened was some man he's like a target apparently people are trying to rob him they know what he's got they want to take it from him he just talked last week about uh in an interview all these crazy bitches trying to steal shit off of him in the street all the time and how he's really trying to be more prepared for incidents like that because it's getting really dangerous Basically, a suspect ran into the Waffle House and pointed the gun at him, basically demanded things from him, said he has items that he wants to snag from him. And then when P&B Rock didn't cooperate, he immediately shot him and then ran out, got in the getaway car, and left. And this rapper, singer, has kids this man had a family and a life and someone just took his life in a waffle house over a few little items. I don't care if they were worth a hundred thousand dollars. That is not worth ending someone's life over at all. What was that Robert thinking? It is never worth committing a crime because you literally have to like sacrifice yourself. Have you ever heard the saying like you can kill anyone you want, but you have to be willing to sacrifice your own life. Like girl, you would, it's never worth it. Why do people act like this? These, broke greedy disgusting people we don't even think well the news doesn't even think that he knew this man apparently he was just stalking him online and saw this opportunity to rob him people are actually blaming his girlfriend because she posted their exact location on her instagram story 20 minutes before the shooting happened so it was very easy to track him 
Now that is very suspicious. She took a photo of her plate with chicken and waffles on it and tagged in big letters across the whole screen. It was obvious screaming, come and get me at Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles in Inglewood. That's what the whole ass geo tag said. And people were very mad at her. They are pointing the finger at her shamelessly. That's a lot to take in being blamed for someone's death like that. I don't know how I would handle that. If this were a court of public opinion, she would go to jail immediately off with her head, the electric chair. And people were especially mad at her because she knows the robberies attempts that have been attempted on him in these past few weeks. So why are you tagging your location at all? And a lot of big celebrities are getting in on this conversation. So let's just look at this really quick. So KSI, very famous person, said the story that essentially killed PNB Rock. And he posts the picture of her Instagram story with the chicken and waffles. And he said, my only question, was it worth it? Was it worth it for the gram? Can't be geotagging stuff these days, man, especially if you're still at the location. It's too dangerous now. Disgusting from their killer, too. It's just not fair. R.I.P. P.N.B. Rock. KSI has 8 million followers, and he's so blatantly putting the blame on his girlfriend, putting her on blast in front of everyone like that. Do you know the kind of literal maybe death threats she can get from you posting that? It seems irresponsible to be online like uniting people against his girlfriend for posting that story i know she shouldn't have done it and it's stupid but why are people going in on her and of course Nicki minaj gets in on it and she says after pop smoke there's no way we as rappers or our loved ones are still posting locations to our whereabouts to show waffles and some fried chicken he was such a pleasure to work with condolences to his mom and family this makes me feel so sick jesus hashtag pnb rock I wonder if Nicki, how Nicki Minaj feels about this. If she worked with him, if that's her friend. And now she's even blaming the girlfriend too. And I know, I feel like what happened in this girlfriend's mind is it maybe just slipped her mind. I'm sure she wasn't like, oh my God, it's worth like risking people seeing I'm eating chicken and waffles and having a cute date with my boyfriend. That wasn't going through her mind. It probably just completely slipped her mind. Maybe forgot how famous he was forgot the situation that he was in just innocently posting on a story because that's become so normal in our heads to just post every single thing that we're doing so i'm sure this was just a routine cute little pick and post for her she didn't mean anything by this bia bia said sending love to pnb rock's family and loved ones offset said pray for being pnb rock that man got a family and kids shaking my head god be with the man and cardi b was actually the only one who came to this girl's defense she said i highly doubt people were looking at pnb's baby mama's instagram he was in a bad location and people stay outside plotting it's very irresponsible and inconsiderate to blame her for something so tragic we should be sending nothing but love to him and his family at this time i'm really thankful that cardi b just pumped some sympathy and empathy into this situation for that girl who's being berated online imagine how hard it would be to lose your boyfriend and then get blamed for his death in front of millions of people as the number one trend on twitter i'm glad cardi showed the other side of the argument he was just in a bad situation people you know you have to be safe everywhere you go there's bad people everywhere look over your shoulder you can never be too safe and even just going outside anywhere these days is scary with people having guns and committing crimes all the time so i would like to think it's not the girlfriend's fault i know that was a bad move and it's probably cost other people their lives maybe less maybe just a lot of money before i mean kim kardashian was posting where she was and that's why she got robbed in paris it just become so natural for us so i think what we can learn from this is to just be extremely careful about what you post where you are, who could be watching you, and even just watching your surroundings all the time. You there's you could never be too safe. I was so irresponsible. I realized at the Lonas X concert posting in live time where I was. Not that I'm some big balling famous person, but I usually never do that just because no one really needs to know where I am unless you're my family or my boyfriend or something else. No one needs to know my current location unless they ask for it and I know them. 
this morning I realized I did that. And I was like, oh, that was not smart. People knew exactly where I was. So just please do not do that. It's not that important. People can see what you're doing 12 hours later, three hours later, if you're just not there anymore. And you'll get that same high dopamine spike from posting. Let's talk about something way more motherfucking positive, And that is the Emmys. I usually don't even watch the Emmys. I'm not like a massive TV watcher, to be honest. I watch a lot of reality television. And let me tell you, reality television has been real good this year. I've been having a grand old time from Love Island to Big Brother. <gasps> Are there Big Brother fans on here? Oh my God. It's so fucking juicy. It's the reason I'm living. I'm obsessed with that show. This is the best season in so many years. People are betraying their best friends. People are throwing people under the bus for literally like extremely controversial reasons like race and sexuality. They are ready to slit people's throat to win the prize in the end. If people were competing against their own family, Someone would throw their own grandma under the motherfucking bus to get her ass evicted out of that house this year. It is ruthless. I'm loving it. Um, The Real Housewives, The Kardashians on Hulu, Below Deck. I'm really loving everything right now. But television like that is for the MTV Television Awards, not for the esteemed Emmys. But there were a lot of amazing winners at the Emmys with a lot of very inspirational speeches that they gave last night. So I just want to listen to a few of them and feel the love, feel the emotion in the air for these big moments in these actresses' lives. And I want to start with, spoiler alert, I'm about to say who won an Emmy. Three, two, one. <gasps> Zendaya! Ah! For Euphoria, Miss Rue, the literal living legend of this year of television, Euphoria dominates the airwaves. Euphoria is the current day President Christmas fireside chats. Everyone is watching the TV when that is going on. I truly cannot even think of the last time television has brought people together like that. Maybe like the OJ Simpson like murder trials. Maybe that was when television brought people together since Euphoria. But Zendaya won and I think her speech was really amazing. So if we just want to listen to it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Wow. Um, to all the incredible actresses in this category, I'm so honored to be beside you. Thank you to the incredible, incredible cast and crew of Euphoria. Thank you for making such a safe space to make this, this very difficult show. Um, I, I love you all so much. Thank you to the Academy. Thank you to my friends and family, some of which are here tonight. Um, <laughs> thank you to Sam for sharing Rue with me. Um, thank you for believing in me, in, even in moments where I didn't believe in myself. And, and then lastly, I just want to say, um, you know, my greatest wish for, for Euphoria was that it could help heal people. And um, I just want to say thank you to everyone who has shared their story with me. I want you to know that anyone who has loved a Rue or... Um, feels like they are a Rue, I want you to know that I'm so grateful for your stories and I carry them with me and I carry them with her. So thank you so much. I love that. I love that she remembers what Rue represents for a lot of people while still celebrating herself and everything she accomplished for this amazing role. Just for episode five alone this season, she should have won the Emmy. I mean, for anyone who watched this season, I won't give away too much, but she didn't even have a stunt double and she was breaking tables jumping over people's garages, running through people's fences, living GTA in real life, running through a crowded street. She should have won an ESPY for this season two, doing all the physical contact that she did. Next, let's talk about another spoiler alert. Who won an Emmy? Lizzo. Ah! I'm so happy that Lizzo fucking won for Watch Out for the Big Girls. Another amazing reality television show this year. Truly one of the most inspirational feel good but also deeply emotionally triggering because of the traumas it brings up for me but it was still so amazing and it actually broke rupaul's drag race four year record for winning outstanding reality competition series so you know rupaul is writing her fierce diss track against lizzo as we speak but lizzo gave a really amazing speech about how she never saw a fat black woman on television growing up and she knew she would see one one day but it would probably be her first so just listen i want to say thank you to the emmys and the emmys voters first of all i'm very emotional (laughs) and the, 
the trophy is nice, but my emotion is for these people who are on this stage with me. The stories that they shared, they're not that unique. They just don't get the platform. Telling stories. Let's just tell more stories. Um, when I was a little girl, all I wanted to see was me in the media. Someone fat like me, black like me, beautiful like me. <laughs> if I could go back and tell little Lizzo something, I'd be like, you gonna see that person, but bitch is gonna have to be you. <laughs> um, where are my big girls? Are they here? Come! Come! Uh, Lizzo's having the best time in her life right now, and she really just deserves it. Success in all areas, and it is so good to see because she is a beautiful soul doing so much social work for this world, and there's no one I really root for more than Lizzo. She's coming to Chicago soon, too. I should really go see her. I should really drop some coin to go see Lizzo because, remember, we pay... We pay... No, 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 no. We vote with our dollars. And I want to see people like Lizzo have power and have a platform for a longer time. So I am going to go to her tour and drop major coin on her. Next, let's talk about Cheryl Lee Ralph from Abbott Elementary. She gave such an inspiring speech. First of all, she started by singing a song right into the mic, like no preface, just got up there, put the Emmy in her hand and started belting a song, which I thought was fierce. Mm, I was grinning ear to ear. I love people like that, just that just aren't afraid to have, really have their moment and soak it in and tell everyone, look at me. I'm fucking accomplishing something right now. Bask me in. And then she gave a really inspirational speech. And I know tell you that this is what believing looks like this is what striving looks like and if you've got friends like everybody who voted for me cheered for me love me thank you thank you anyway i loved hearing all of these speeches because all three of these actresses seem to have really amazing careers going right now and just had such an amazing night at the Emmys. You know, a pinnacle moment in each of their lives, I'm sure. And a lot of us are watching and we're so happy for them and seeing all their success. But at the same time, we just see the their peak, you know, the tip of their iceberg. We don't see the years and years of lifelong hard work that they put in you know cheryl is 65 years old she's been working towards wins like this her whole life mastering her craft and working her way up and proving herself lizzo who used to be homeless not too long ago trying to make it in the music industry for over a decade then finally getting this opportunity and not making it all about herself but making it all about people who she feels like can see something in themselves in her and then there's zendaya who's at the top of the world right now in many many industries but is often referred to as the hardest working woman in hollywood and deserving of every single ounce of success that she gets and put her whole heart and soul into that role of euphoria that they were preparing for years that we only saw for like 10 episodes and then it was over super quick but that doesn't mean that zendaya didn't put her blood sweat and tears and immense amount of time and energy working on it so i think what we can learn from this is that Everyone that you see having these successful moments, they all have a story, a long story of battles and moving mountains and overcoming extremely tough obstacles that we all face in our lives that they didn't ever quit on their way to the top while they were going through them. And no one's successes came easy. So you see the achievement, but you don't see the hard work and lifelong struggle that went into it. You think there's, they're 
maybe just, you know, while you're watching on your couch at home, it's easy to think, oh, they're just big stars and success was meant for them. This was, this was always going to happen to them. Of course they won, but absolutely not. Their success didn't come easy at all. That could have been anybody really, but they earned it. They weren't bestowed that. That wasn't their ultimate fate or destiny. They worked extremely hard tooth and nail to get where where they are. And I I never want to, I feel like the glamorous aspect of Hollywood can sometimes take away from that and almost looks a little too easy, but it's good to remember that they were once right where you are right now. And maybe that's going to be you one day, but you're just on your journey right now. You're in the middle of just one chapter of your story and somewhere down the line that can be you if you just stay focused and put your 110% into achieving your dreams. And really never count yourself out, like ever. Please do not count yourself out. Never think I'm incapable. That will never be me. I'm not like those women on the screen on that stage. You are. You are. You're just as capable. You're just as deserving. And you're just as worthy as them. I also want to take a moment in today's episode to remember all those who died on 9-11 and sacrificed their lives in the heroic rescue and uh, recover and clean up mission after the attacks on the World Trade Center. I want to just give a moment to respect all those affected and all those who lost their lives and all the families who are still mourning to this day of members that they lost and will never get back. One of those people who will never get someone back from 9-11 is Pete Davidson. It's easy to forget that about Pete Davidson, but that's literally, I feel like one of the most important parts of his life that he still talks about all the time in his work today. And I think it's probably what made Pete who he is today, how he's so committed to using comedy to laugh at terrible things in the world and get through them even if it's caused some stir up with our Grande fans or other angry woke people online he's really committed to making a joke out of anything in 2015 he wrote a letter to his father after it was 14 years that he was gone and pete wrote can't believe tomorrow's gonna be 14 years missing the legend and he posted a picture of him with his dad and little baby Pete Davidson before all those awful tattoos was so cute. Truly Pete was such a cute baby. And then he continued. Thank you for all of your kind words and support as always. Hashtag. We remember them. One of my dad's homies gave me his old dirty ass boots from work and a sick photo of him looking like a young legend. Apparently my dad wore sketchers. How fucking embarrassing. All jokes aside, there's not a day that goes by where I don't think of you. You're my hero. Can't wait to see you again someday. Oh, that makes me literally want to die. Like, that is so sad. I could literally just spontaneously combust right now. Thank God Pete has a big dick, you know? he's He's got something good going for him in life. He's actually had a few really good things happen to him in life. So that makes me feel a little bit better about him going through that awful tragedy. Speaking of one of the really good things that happened to him in, li- in his life, Kim Kardashian, she kind of gave some final words on her opinion of Pete now that the relationship seems to never be happening again. She was asked about it during an interview, just kind of how she felt about the whole situation now. And this is what she had to say about her ex-lover Pete. She said, quote, he's a cutie. He's literally such a good person. They don't really make them like him anymore i'm excited for what he has coming up that's a really sweet message kim almost a little too sweet almost a little too easy for her to say that makes me think kim broke up with him doesn't that kind of make you feel that way always cute happy for him hope he 
is really successful in life. That kind of is like what you say about someone who you, you don't miss, who you were ready to break up with. You don't really care if you see them again. <laughs> wasn't much love there anymore. Wasn't much, much obsession there. I mean, maybe that's toxic of me to say because I do be, get, be getting obsessed with people and I would never just be like, oh, I wish them the best and he's cute. I'd be like, he ruined my life by not being with me still. Not love me. What an idiot. I hope he dies and gets eaten by a sharknado. Maybe they just both mutually felt their spark and chemistry dissipating. But I'ma just say, I feel like Kim broke up with him. Rip. Rip to that relationship. Sorry, Pete. At least Kim had one good breakup. Because all of her other ones seemed to go absolutely terribly not just with her and kanye but also with her and one of the ogs who hit it first ray j ray j is like that one horror movie have you guys seen it it's called it follows and it's about in it's it's like a sexually transmitted demon basically like std sexually transmitted demon where if you have sex with someone who has it, a like demon is going to come and kill you now that you have it. And he'll never go away. You'll, you'll never see the last of him. You have to keep banging people so they get it and you don't get it. Basically, he's like that person in It Follows. You thought you'd seen the last of him. Surprise, bitch. You didn't. He is pissed off at the Kardashians this week. Livid. Because of what Kris Jenner said on The Late Late Show. Now, Kris and Kylie were promoting the Kris Kylie Cosmetics line. The 7 millionth line that has come out on Kylie Cosmetics. I don't know how she still keeps making sales. Don't people have enough makeup from her? Are people running out? I just don't get how people would keep buying all the launches. Isn't there a glass ceiling on that? Anyway, she did a lie detector on James Corden and... The man asked, did you help Kim leak her sex tape? And the whole crowd gasped. (gasps) If I was there, I would have been like, ah! Like, I would have been so annoying. So I can't make fun of the crowd for gasping. My reaction would have been so extra. And And Chris goes, no, guys, don't worry. It's fine. I can answer it. And she says, no, I did not help Kim leak her sex tape. And the polygraph test lie detector man says she's telling the truth interesting very interesting imagine if he was like no you're lying you did i would do that if i was the lie detector man i would just stir up some drama even if it said that she didn't do that i'd be like oh you did it what you gonna do now imagine how what amazing television that would be i would see like a red dot on my forehead and then get shot immediately after because of the kardashians shooters in the streets that I'm sure they have. But anyway, that pissed Ray J completely off because he claims that that is not the truth. Chris did help Kim leak the sex tape and he wants them to stop lying about it because over the years, they've gone too far with it. They've made Ray J look like the bad guy and this was just another lie that they told on national television. They've brought it up recently multiple times. In the first ever episode of The Kardashians on Hulu, it's all about how Saint West was just playing on a Roblox and then he sees an ad of, quote, Kim Kardashian's new sex tape on a Roblox and he clicks on it and it takes him to some weird game about his mommy getting banged by Ray J. That, the, the life Kim Kardashian lives, first of all, crazy. They don't teach you what to do in that situation in parenting books, I'm sure. And then around the same time, WAC 100, who was Ray J's manager, was talking all this loud trash in TMZ that Kim and Ray J have another sex tape and he's going to leak it. And he doesn't care what the Kardashians have to say. The world is going to see this. So in that episode, Kim was all worried. And I remember seeing these on TMZ and thinking it's so juicy. Oh my God, what is Kim doing? How is she reacting to this? And then in the episode, we see that Kim is kind of freaking out. She doesn't know if this is true or not. She doesn't think they have another tape, but insinuates that maybe Ray J shoved something up her ass when she was sleeping and recorded it. And so she just doesn't know if they have another video that maybe she was asleep for. And that understandably made Ray J really upset and irritated because first of all, he says 
he didn't leak the sex tape the first time. And now they're trying to trash his name again and saying all these weird, wild claims about him on their show and now on the Late Late Show. That episode of the Kardashians actually lost Ray J business opportunities too because Ray J kind of used to be this player fucking all the bitches in the game, making rap songs, saying, oh, I hit it first, Kanye. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Trying to be the loudest, baddest bitch in the game. But now he's more of like a businessman, takes himself very seriously. He's a family man. He has kids. So he wants the Kardashians to stop talking about this or just not lie about it anymore. I feel like this sex tape is such an important part of American history. It's literally the most viewed sex tape in the world ever. Take that, Hugh Hefner. Yes, I've seen the sex tape. It was Dece. Like, I don't, I don't know. I didn't think it was that good. It was more just like, oh my God, that's Kim Kardashian. But it wasn't like, I don't know. I, I wasn't like aroused by it. You guys have probably seen it too. I'm not telling you to go look it up. After I watched it, I kind of just felt like, why did this make Kim Kardashian famous? It, it's not that good. You would think someone who really put their back into it would be famous. You know, I wouldn't pay an OnlyFans premium for that. Let's just say that. You're not missing anything if you did not see it. Actually, it's a really important part of history. Maybe you are. Anyway, the original story of how the sex tape got leaked is that Kim and Ray J were just in love. You know, they were together from 2002 to 2006, and they were just being a couple and doing what couples do. And one night they wanted to get a little frisky and record it. Kim later uh, told the world that she was on ecstasy when they made the tape. So, you know, they were having a real wild night, doing some drugs, feeling really good. And she says, babe, let's make a sex tape. And he's like, I shoddy. And they make a sex tape. And then a few years later, a third party that they don't know how they got it. Someone hacked them. Someone stole it. The story is that just someone leaked the tape to all these websites and then the whole world saw it. The story was never that Ray J is the one who leaked it. Let's sue Ray J. Something that's always questioned that I've always questioned about this situation is that how did they never find the person who leaked it? Who leaked it? Why didn't they sue that person? Isn't that some kind of revenge porn lawsuit? I don't know. Just like that has to be some sort of assault, sexual assault, doing that to someone leaking their tapes. So that always raised a red flag about the situation of me that maybe that story is not true and then there's ray j's version that he just told the world very recently but especially today he said today is the kardashians doomsday on social media i'm revealing everything about really what happened with this tape he came for blood he said that him kim and chris set the whole thing up 100 percent, kim and chris purposely leaked this kim saw how famous it made paris and she wanted that life as well and paris kind of has corroborated with this sentiment that kim wanted to kind of follow the blueprint that paris laid out because paris got even more exponentially famous after her tape leak she got the simple life her long-running reality show all of her fragrance lines and built her own empire made her own money not just her dad's anymore. And one day she said that after she had a sex tape leak, leaking sex tapes kind of became the new way that people were getting famous. She literally said that. She said, after my sex tape leaked, it just became the new way that people got famous. And she seemingly obviously referred to her best friend, Kim Kardashian. Everyone knew what she was talking about. Kind of makes it seem like Kim did it on purpose. Ray J said, I've sat in the shadows for over 14 years, allowing the Kardashians to use my name, abuse my name, make billions of dollars for over a decade and a half, talking about a topic that I've never even spoken about. I've never leaked anything. I've never leaked a sex tape in my life. It has never been a leak. It's always been a deal and a paid partnership between Chris, Kim, and me. And we've always been partners since the beginning of this thing. And then Ray J starts taking this whole thing real seriously, getting down to business. And he pulls out a projector at his home and starts posting videos of him putting receipts under the projector as if he's a fourth grade teacher teaching world history to the students. And they're about to learn every single damn thing. So Ray J gets into the 
uh, nitty gritty of everything. And he shows contracts that allegedly both him and Kim signed with details like the deliverables and the rules and what they can and can't say and what they're allowed to say about the situation and just all the pending legal shit. He said that they each got 12.5% of the deal individually, like the money went to them. They each got $400,000. He showed a whole damn contract. Could he fake that? And it was dated in 2007. And he even showed the handwriting that apparently Kim wrote on the last page these few sentences because Ray J wasn't there that day and she wanted to hurry up and get her sex tape out so she could be famous and start her reality show and down her journey to, you know, playing the Kim K Hollywood game in real life. So she wrote on the last page the deliverables and he showed the handwriting and then showed Kim's current handwriting from letters and shit that she's written today and they match exactly the same. And he was holding this contract with gloves, you guys. So he wouldn't mess up the evidence of Kim Kardashian's fingerprints being on the paper that she signed. He is out for damn blood. He said, Kim has gotten away with murder, but I'm coming back from the dead and not letting her frame me anymore. He's really doing all this forensic shit on her. Because he doesn't like that. Well, Kim hasn't broken the contract and she's never said, Ray J leaked the tape. I hate Ray J. Fuck Ray J. Because they, they haven't had like a terrible relationship since that happened. She, he just doesn't like how they've kind of painted the narrative that Kim is the big victim in this. And Ray J was just kind of this player who didn't care if it got leaked. And they've kind of just always insinuated that Ray J had something to do with it leaking. So while they didn't break the contract, he didn't like his name getting spewed through the mud like that. Very understandably. And especially now, Chris lying about it on the Late Late Show and them just continuing this false narrative for their Hulu show. He's done with them. But the craziest part of this whole thing is Ray J warned them. He said, if you keep talking about this tape and lying that you didn't leak it and just don't shut up, I'm going to reveal everything that we did and have receipts. So he goes on his instagram story and shows proof that in the contract they had to deliver two sex tapes they filmed two one was the one that leaked that was filmed in 2005 when they were still together and one is one that they filmed in 2007 after they broke up because they were getting ready to do this deal with vivid entertainment and chris jenner kim's mother wanted to get the best tape out of them and she didn't know how she felt about the first one so she asked them to do it again even though they weren't together pimping out her daughter like a literal gangster mobster pimp she asked them to do it again this time they did it in santa barbara so on the contract it says Cabo sex tape, Santa Barbara sex tape, two separate ones. And they ended up not liking the Santa Barbara one because it was too intense. I guess they went full Pornhub on that one because Kim's bra was off and it made Kim look more raunchy. So Chris thought the first one gave her daughter a better look. As if Chris has any morals as a mother left. Oh, I want to give my daughter a good look in this and for her sex tape debut baby's first sex tape so they went with the first one because her bra was still on and there wasn't i guess too much raunchiness or explicitness there wasn't too high quality of shots of any areas let's just say that ray j is crazy they really did fuck with the wrong man and he showed some pretty incriminating evidence from kanye where he was messaging kanye back in the day when Kanye wanted to go retrieve the tapes that apparently Ray J had stored in his house to bring to Kim so Kim didn't have to worry about it. These are real texts from him and Kanye and it says, yo, Ray J, it's yay. I spoke to Wack and he said, you still had some sex tapes. I need to get those back and the contracts and give them to my wife. Can we hop on a phone call to facilitate this? Can you believe that? He said, and the contracts. 
in the text contracts as if this was planned from vivid entertainment and he knew exactly what was going on that's crazy is kanye like keeping the secret for kim kanye tells the world everything and explodes everywhere so i can't believe kanye hasn't leaked this but if this is all real it could totally ruin kim kardashian's life forever um other people kind of has seemed to cooperate ray j's story on social media today but the kardashians are wiping it from everywhere they're taking shit down no press outlets are posting the story because the kardashians are paying them to not do it bethany frankel she's a real or used to be a real housewife she's big on tiktok now she posted something that says that she remembers back in the day when it leaked that all the the women in beverly hills were talking about basically how they knew it was staged and they heard from their friends that kim kardashian hired a makeup artist that day and Chris completely set up the whole thing. And like I said, Paris kind of seemed to cooperate that the whole thing was set up. The two exchanged a few DMs while Ray J was posting all this on social media. Kim was basically just trying to calm him down, saying that they should work together to buy the tape back from Vivid Entertainment. So neither of them have to worry about this anymore. But then Ray J kept pressing her and being aggressive. So Kim was like, whatever, show whatever you want, do whatever you want. I don't care anymore. That's really bold of Kim to say I don't care anymore because Ray J did expose a lot. But I wonder if Ray J has more. Like, does Ray J... I guess he gave Kim the second tape, so maybe that's why she got confidence from the whole situation. But I would be worried if I were Kim because it seems like Ray J is ready to expose anything. So I feel like we have not heard the last of this situation. But I really don't know who to believe. DM me who you guys are believing right now. I guess there was no solid real life, like, caught red-handed proof. Unless Ray J faked a whole contract. But still, that was Ray J's part of the contract. Kim didn't sign that one. So there's still a little bit of a shadow of a doubt that maybe Ray J is just lying. Because these men, some men out here really do be amazing liars, gaslighters. They can tell, we have a whole narrative. Men are, like, born with the natural innate ability to hunt and fish but also lie very well apparently i wish there was just dead on proof where kim sent him a text that was like hi ragey let's film a sex tape so i can get famous i would love that that's what i really want but right now i'm i believe ray j to be honest i think there's no way that this whole thing was an accidental leak because we're talking back in the day in 2007 like no one was hacking someone's iphone here and getting the video off of that you would have to steal someone's hard drive or computer pc whatever desktop to get the tape so i'm just not fully convinced by kim and chris's story at this point and i'm low-key very excited even though it might be the demise of the kardashians i'm very excited to see where this goes all right well thank you guys for joining me in pop culture university today i hope you had an amazing time got some tea got some laughs some life lessons I appreciate y'all so much. I love being the podcast. It's literally something that I look forward to all day. I was obsessed with all of this shit that was going on today, making these segments for you guys. The merch for this podcast is almost done. I just got another mock-up and it is so fucking cute. I'm so excited to put it out. I feel like there's one more thing I have to change with just the color, but then it'll be ready to go and you guys can rock PCU merch. And it's, I'm obsessed with it. It's so cute. I love it. I'm going to wear it every single day. It's going to fit everyone so amazing make you look like a bad fucking bitch that you are so get excited for that make sure to rate this podcast five star on spotify and apple Podcasts if you have not screenshot yourself listening to it post it to your instagram story and tag me i'll hit you up in your dms is a tuesday friday class did i say tuesday friday do not forget that so look forward to the episode on friday i'm going to la next week so i'm trying to like stay nice and clean cut on my diet but food really be getting me through the day and making me happy so i don't know if that's gonna work out and i've just realized being a little bit skinnier if i go to a beach in la is just not worth the mental stress of a diet this week so i'm probably just gonna chill out and just try to work out and eat decently well but more just make sure that i'm calm because diets really be stressing me the fuck out make my hair fall out more than it already fucking is but i'm excited to have fun next week go out and 
live my life. I need some getaway, rest and relaxation. I need a new environment, new vibe in my life. I've been in my house way too much this past month. So I'm going to go fuck shit up in LA. If you're out in LA, we can do like a little meetup or something. I'm so down for all that. So let me know. DM me. But until next time on Friday, I love you guys and I will see you soon. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. What is up, Astros fans? This is Jeff Balke and my partner, former Astro Jeff Blum from the Believe in Astros podcast to tell you baseball is back and we've got your world champion Houston Astros covered. Every week we go inside the clubhouse, break down the games, discuss the players and give you everything you need to know about the Houston Astros baseball organization with special guests and a few surprises all summer and into the postseason. So tune in to the Believe in Astros podcast. That's B-L-E-A-V on Apple. Spotify, YouTube, and everywhere you get your podcasts, go Astros.